was three twelves at, at the department. So I was working Friday, Saturday, Sunday days at the time. And then Monday through Thursday, I was at agency. Mm. Uh, actually, I have a funny story. And it's past the statute of limitations, so I can't get in trouble because I don't work there anymore. But hey. yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Art and War podcast with your hosts, Nathan, BR, and Paige. Nathan is a Canadian illustrator with a couple years of military experience. BR is a British anarchist that moved to the States. And Paige is a lifelong artist based in Washington. All three are passionate shooters and community builders. Together, they run the Seaburn Art Page. Enjoy the show. Apparently, my running Windows 95 with like Netscape Navigator or whatever I'm using has caused this podcast intro to fail multiple times. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, hello. Uh, welcome to the Island Wool Podcast. I'm Biar, joined by Nathan. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Mike Parks, co-founder of Agency Arms. Gucci Glocks for days. Pleasure to have you, sir. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, Mike, before we really get into it, how much would you hate me if I said I owned a Zev? <laughs> Dude, so this is one thing actually that we have been huge on is uh, I don't know if you, how long you've been following us, but at the very beginning, we wanted to do things different. So you can piece together your pistol, and I don't want to call it agency pistol because we're just happy to be a part of your build. So you can get just slide work, just framework, just trigger, you know, from the fitted stuff or by obviously the parts. And then to like kind of show that we like to play with others, meaning there's room at the table. And also just because I'm a Ford guy doesn't mean that you're not a Chevy guy. And we can't be the solution for everybody because that's just not the way the world works. So we did our Fatal 15 series um, back in the early days where it was SSVI's interpretation of our framework with our logo mm. on it, our slide work with his logo in it, and to show the public that it's okay to work with other gun companies that are direct competitors. Um, I so love that. that doesn't bother me at all, man. I'm just happy yeah. to have some parts in that build. Oh, I, I, I was being very facetious. I, I think, as you know, my, my daily carry is a an agency uh, Frankenstein that I, I really love, but that, that was a poor bit on my part and a, a really mature answer on yours. I feel a little <laughs> awful. And, and, and honestly, I love your reply because I get to yeah, see that, kind of the heart of, of what this show is all about is kind of, yeah. you know, th there is room at the table for everyone. Like this, yeah. this is in this industry. It's so interesting because, you know, it's, it's an industry and culture that's constantly under threat from outside forces. It's not like, like if we're beating each other over the heads and trying to like, you know, eat each other's dinner, like where does that leave us? Like yeah. kind of in a, in a shitload of trouble instead of being like, no, actually we're, you know, there's, there's friendly competition. And, and so there should be, you know, in, yeah. in a free market, we should be competing for the best product and the best life preserving and life saving gear. But at the same time, like we're all on the same side end of the day. I, I agree. Uh, something that comes up on, on the show quite a bit is, well, that, that general principle and the idea of like a rising tide raises all ships. Yep. So that, that kind of embodies the spirit of that. I, I really liked that. Oh, I, I realized that the, the sense of humor <laughs> jumping off at 10 may have not been the right idea. <laughs> no, no, it worked out. It totally worked yes. out. Yes. Nathan, Nathan just opens up, Mike, do you hate me? <laughs> <laughs> But um, b before we started, uh, you were mentioning that um, Agency is coming up on its uh, its ninth birthday, so been around since 2015, right? Yeah, so, I mean, technically, technically we incorporated in 2014, but that was, you know, building up uh, the product and, and figuring out who the heck we were and what we were going to do in the business model. So we launched the company January 2015, um, so we kind of consider that our real birthday. And so, yeah, yeah we're, we're kind of up on year nine. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Hell yeah. That's amazing. What, uh, 
so what, what led you to um I, I guess let's let's go back to the the origin origin story like what what got you into shooting in the first place like have has this been a lifelong thing is this something you grew into as an adult like kind of where did your shooting journey start so um my dad actually and it's funny because my dad is not a big gun guy he's not actually a big shooter at all but out of necessity uh, my dad was a cop in la and um he made some enemies out there and his department was like teeny tiny and um so he had some legitimate fears so i started shooting at eight and then had a gun my glock 19 that was mine but his right uh hidden in my room since i was 10 years old um and we, yeah i went to five elementary schools two junior highs one high school just because we had to keep moving um so it was really out of a necessity and then um it just kind of became a total passion of mine so I was that nerd. Uh, my dad loves telling personal stories, so he don't leave me embarrassed. Really <laughs> but I was—I I couldn't tell you why, but ever since I was super little and can't remember, I wanted to be a Marine, right? And so I was digging fighting holes in the backyard and making tree forts and running around in my dad's extra belt equipment stuff, making uh, commando fantasy stuff. I can run around like a little kid, right? Um, and so I was just I was fascinated by guns and gear and then um, was actually going towards music and then I was a drummer and was going to be a studio musician. Then 9-11 happened when I was in high school. And I said, nope, I'm actually, I'm going to go serve. So I joined the Marine Corps on my spring break of senior year and uh, played with the bigger guns, called an aircraft for stuff that I used to do for you know my military job. But on the side, I was an armorer. It was like my B billet. And I just totally was fascinated. loved it. Uh, got out, became a cop. And then I got to play with all kinds of different other toys. And, um, and my friends were telling me, hey, you know, why don't you, you tell us what's cool? Why don't you tell the world what's cool? Why don't you start like a YouTube channel? I'm like, huh, yeah, I guess I could do that. So I started a YouTube channel. And uh, then people started asking me to like, hey, can we send you stuff? I'm like, sure. And then they started saying, hey, how would you make it better? I'm like, that sounds like a business. So I started consulting. And that's actually where I met my business partner, Randy. He was a machine shop making stuff for a bunch of people. And... Um, one day he was like, you know, so we were, we actually ended up both consulting for a company that did some custom stuff. And then that client moved away and he's like, I'm going to have my business. I'm like, well, holy crap, what are you going to do? He's like, do you want to make guns? And I said, yes, I do. That would be a lot of fun. Let's do that. And we thought it would be a sign. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, I was working at 312. I can do my other four days doing gun stuff. And hey, if it pays the car payment, it'll be great. And uh, so we started with three employees, January 2015, and it just snowballed. We had no real thoughts or, or ambitions of it being this um we literally thought it was gonna be like just side gig and we both still do our primary stuff and it just ran into what it is that's awesome you guys really made a name for yourself and quickly i, I oh, saw you. agency everywhere i still do honestly uh so we kind of did something that for some reason our, our industry hadn't really been done mm. um we just guerrilla marketed uh so because i was you know on the youtube side which, by the way, it's all deleted. You can't find it. So oh. the embarrassing early videos of me looking like a total silly guy on the camera, like, hi, I am Michael Parks with Friday Night Tactical. It's gone. So you can't uh, find it. Yeah. <laughs> not, not even archived. It's completely gone. Wait, Frontline Tactical? Yeah. <laughs> Frontline Tactical Solutions. I think I may used to have watched you guys, like, a long time ago. <laughs> well, yeah, Nathan, oh, you you, you are not not to sell you out, but I mean you've been you've been doing this stuff a while, so a, a little bit longer me. longer than you'd expect. Do you ever see like the Matt V twenty ninety nine and the the era of 
you know, how, how much bacon you can put on cook on a, the barrel of an AK-47. It was that era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that was a good era of gun tube. Dude, it was, yeah, it was a good time. And I thought I was like, I was like, man, one day, one day. But actually for the time, it wasn't doing too bad. I, you know, nothing crazy. I had a thousand subscribers and I had like half a million views. But, um, you know, that was over the course of like, I did Frontline for like four years, three years. Um, but anyway, um, so I guerrilla marketed because I knew all the photographers. Mm. So when we first you started, show your stuff off. I was yeah. calling all the photographers and I'm telling them like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing, blah, blah, blah. Can you just send me a gun? I'll trick it out and I'll send it back to you. And so <clears throat> our guns ended up with other companies' barrels because we didn't have barrels when we first launched. And when it was a, a lubrication photo shoot, it was our gun disassembled for that photo shoot. And when they needed good guy stuff, it was our gun with all the stuff. And then holsters, it was our gun in the holster. Um, it was it was just, it, it worked out really well. I don't want to call it like, I was so smart. No, it was just a pure, thank God it worked really well. Because nobody was really doing that. And there were other custom companies out there doing kind of what we do. Because Zev even used to do full customs before they um, went more corporate styling and just limited their options. And so nobody really had done that. So, you know, just working with all the DMG photographers. We weren't a member of DMG until a few months later after we started. But um, we just built all the DMG photographers' guns up and other photographers and you know, it was just like one of those things you open up Instagram and if you're a gun guy following gun companies, you just couldn't help but see our stuff everywhere. So that's awesome. It just, it worked out. So it was just pure luck, really. And like back, back then, what did the, uh, the landscape for kind of custom gun work look like? I, this was a little bit before my time really, yeah, I was in the UK at the time. I didn't really have the access to be like, oh, I could do this to my gun. I was, you know. I just saw custom guns from afar and didn't know the particulars, but like what, what kind of options were out there when uh, agency started up? Not many. Um, so there was a company called salient, uh, Zev, Zev were the OGs really when it came to mainstreaming it. I'm sure there were some smaller companies doing it as well, but Zev really, they were originally called Glockworks. Then they had to change their name to Zev because Glock didn't like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I couldn't understand why, um, <laughs> but uh, Glock kind of has a big muscle to throw around. So, um, but then you know, so those are the other guys that were really doing it. And there was a bunch of small companies, um, like even Robar Guns could be considered in that space because they would recoat your slide, and then they did all the framework type stuff. Um, sadly, they they're no longer around. Um, but you know, th there wasn't very much out there, and the few things you could find um were very limiting so some guys are saying it's all or nothing or um we didn't feel the pricing was really where it should have been uh because randy my business partner he was the cnc he still is the cnc guru for us he's uh his he's the picasso of our brand so all of our styling is his his brain i'll tell him what i need as a shooter and he makes it look amazing so no no credit on any of our product and how it looks to me. I, mean, I know how to do the, 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 this thing and pull the trigger, and he does the cool things to make it look cool. Um, and I'm not even that great at pulling triggers anymore because I don't shoot at all anymore. Join the gun industry and stop shooting. Yep, yep. You get into the industry and you're like, I'm so fucking busy. I'm not yeah. at the range as much as I should be. It's it's a crazy trade-off. You're like, I'm working with what I love, but now I'm doing it less. What? Yeah, it, it's such a strange thing, but... Um, Anyway, yeah, so the landscape was kind of interesting because it was so limited. Um, and then there was a lull based on some people moving their companies and stuff at the time 
so that we entered at this very just perfect storm situation. Um, and we just kind of took over because we gave people options that weren't available. You know, 50-50 plan, pay half up front, half at the end, uh, mix and match, piece it together. So if you're a guy that's in the military and doesn't make a ton of money, you can piece it together over time. Uh, as well as we gave people a sense of community because it was a little thing, but we put an agent card in with every build. So we stamp your name into it. It's like a credit card type thing, um, you know, material-wise. Yeah, and so we stamp it in there. And so you're, you know, it'd be like, you know, M Parks, agent, you know, 132. And so we would do these things called the agent roundup at shot, which not many people in the public get to go. But we thought, hey, maybe we'll have you know, a handful of people show up at the at this bar that we said we'd be meeting everybody up at. And we'd get like 100 people sometimes. And then... I was like, I was talking random, like poking random, like, dude, dude, look over there. And there were guys holding their agent cards out to see who had the lower number so they didn't have to buy the next beer. They were like challenging each other, like almost like challenge coins. That's awesome. And I was like, yeah, I was like, this is like the craziest kind of community culture I never foresee happening. And sadly, we've lost a little bit about that because just the growth and moving and it's hard to manage because we don't have a big bankroll behind us. We don't, we're not owned by an investment fund. We don't have any investment um you know, angel partners, or uh, it's just Randy and I, we're 50-50. So there's no money behind us. It's a grubby street cop and a machinist that had, that just bootstrapped this whole thing. Um, so it just, it, it was organic and it was super cool. And then it was really, the, I don't want to say it was us. I, I think genuinely credit where credit's due, Zev. Um, Zev really were the ones to bring this into a, a mainstream thing and now it's just gigantic you know and i think it's all attributed really to them not saying they're the first because there may have been someone else i don't know about ahead of them but they were the ones to really make it mainstream mm. and like as you know now being in or coming up on your ninth year like has the has it been hard to kind of keep that brand recognition and just stay on top as the like you know one of the uh, kind of Coke and Pepsi's of, of Glock upgrades out there. I, I don't want to. I don't want to paint either Zev or you as, as Coke and, and someone else's Pepsi. That's well, that's well, a Pepsi we... challenge. I don't want to participate in. But has <laughs> <laughs> it been kind of staying um staying razor sharp in terms of uh, your brand and and being the guys to go to for Gucci Glocks? Uh, well, um, it's always a challenge. You know, when whenever you have some success, uh, there's always a target on your back, right? Um, and now, if you look around in the industry, when you ask, like, for instance, what's the landscape like, it's super weird. Yeah. When you talk about full custom, we're really the only game left. Um, Zeb doesn't do it. Now, I'm not saying we're the only, not the only ones in the Glock game. Everyone's making slides, triggers, barrels, blah, 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 blah. You throw a rock and you can hit six different guys and buy their barrels from Azimuth and make barrels. Yeah. Um, but if you send your gun in, you know, who can you send your gun into where – they have their own barrels, their own slide work, where they'll cut your slide or replace it, their own trigger, their own framework, base pads, magwells, blah, 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 blah. It's just us. You know, there's a lot of cool guys out there, uh, like Dave Mods. Dave Mods is up is up by you. He's in northern Idaho. And um, you can send your, your pistol to him, and he'll trick it out for you, but he doesn't make a lot uh, of What did you say his name was? Dave Mods. Mo Dave Mods. Sorry, yeah. I've, I've been looking into to milling a RMRCC in my 48. Sorry, continue. Totally unrelated. Oh, no, no. It's all good. Dave's yeah. a good dude, good friend of mine. Um, he lives up in northern Idaho. Great, great dude. And he does great work. Um, he does framework and uh, Cerakote work. And then, you know, I don't know if, who he outsources his manufacturing, like machining-wise, but um, great dude. And uh, I love supporting good people. Um, yeah. We did collaborations with him, too. 
on on some stuff. So, um, but yeah, so it's kind of an interesting space because I'm not saying anything bad about Dave. I hope it doesn't come across the wrong way. It's just he doesn't no, have no, the manufacturing component. Opposite. Yeah, he doesn't have the manufacturing component that we have. So, you know, like Zev back in the day, you could send your gun in and trick it out. Um, Salient back in the day, trick it out. Now, none of those companies, either A, aren't around anymore, like Robar's no longer there. Um, and Zev, they changed their business model completely when they had uh, that big investor come in, uh, that investment group come in, I should say. And they went full corporate and said, nope, no more custom. We're just going to go to the, the SKUs itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, so we're literally the only game left in town that does what we do. So it's, it's interesting because right before I moved from California to Idaho, it was a mad dash. Everyone knew we were moving, so they just wanted to get the guns in to get ahead of the queue. And when we moved, we had, oh God, I don't remember. It was like 24 or 2,600 guns in for work. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, if you talk to a gun store, 2,600 guns is not a big deal. But it's not 2,600 guns that we're just buying away we have guns to sell. These are customers or dealers sending us 2,600 firearms. And we're just like, oh man, we're not going <laughs> to, our, our lead times are not going to be where they used to be. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. I went on a total and went into the No, 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 you're totally okay. Uh, yeah, but uh, so anyway, that's kind of where we're at in in our place. You know, it's it, we're in a kind of a space that no one else is in. Um, but you know, we have competitors <clears throat> that are mile long for parts. But on the customs, yeah. it's really just us. That's that's cool. So you guys, I mean, obviously back in the day there was a little bit more of that, but that's you you guys have maintained being the ones to go to, and other people have kind of found different avenues for kind of block upgrades and and, and other pistols. Yep. That's that's something else I was curious about. Um, was do you guys have any kind of relation, or have you guys had any kind of conversations with Glock themselves? Because I imagine, um, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you, Glock, Glock perfection. However, I'm going to change <laughs> every single damn part of my Glock until it's just, you know, just Goldilocks right for me. Like, have have you? had any conversations with them uh kind of concerning that <laughs> so i'm going to share a funny story with you yeah <laughs> shot show 2016 mm. one-year-old company the world is our oyster our eyes are wide because <laughs> glock wants a meeting at shot show <laughs> and we're like holy crap glock knows who we are this is going to be amazing holy crap and the, and the dreams start pouring out of my ears because I'm kind of like the dreamer between the two of us where I'm like floating into space thinking that we're going to grow to this massive thing and Randy's pulling my ankles back down saying, hey, dumbass, you know, reality's over here, right? <laughs> Which makes it perfect because we meet in the middle. Yep. But um, so my mind is going to, we're going to be their custom shop, right? I'm all excited. And uh, we walk into this meeting and just a bunch of suits walk in. And I'm like, oh. um. That's not what dreams are made of. No, immediately I'm like, I think I may have misread this. And so they say, oh, thank you for coming. Take a seat. Don't even know why they asked us to do that because it was so short and abrupt. Um, No small talk. And they go, so you guys do not supply Glock pistols for builds. And we're like, "Uh, for the most part, (laughs) we don't. Uh, You know, customer sends their guns in, da-da-da-da-da. But to say on shipping, dealers prefer that we purchase them and just ship them out. And they're like, no, you're misunderstanding. You do not supply lock pistols for both and we're like no we don't and like, thank you so much for your time it was great speaking with you have a nice day and we're like well, we could have done this over the phone dude <laughs> <laughs> this could have been an email <laughs> oh it's yeah, the it intimidation like factor 
It, it's the lawyers on retainer making their paycheck. Yeah, so we're just like, we walked out of there and we're just like deflated, right? And we're like, well, I mean, <laughs> tell us that we can't do what we're doing, so we're going to keep doing it. It wasn't a cease and desist. Yeah, <laughs> it's not don't do it, it's just don't supply the gun. So that's why we don't supply weapons for the builds, and we just make that across the board. So, um, you know, SIG, it seems like they don't mind it, and they actually encourage you, so they sell the FCUs and stuff. So we're working on setting up a program with them. Hopefully that works mm. out. It's just they're so big, and their turnover rate is so high. I'm not sure why if they're just people keep – promoting or moving i'm not sure what that is but very difficult to get some stuff locked in with them just because of the constant movement over there um but yeah that's our policy now is just you got to send in a gun yeah. <laughs> and um and also that just also keeps it in the full-blown gunsmithing category so if we yeah. supply the gun atf refers to that as you manufactured it and so then there's and you're basically there's excise tax when glock made it and then we have to pay excise tax on remaking it nice it, it makes zero sense because it doesn't change the way the gun actually functions or the caliber. Yeah. But I'll leave the ATF out of it for now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate the ATF. I hate You're, the ATF. I hate I the ATF. Hate the ATF. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, uh, I, I actually have a hat for you, BR, and uh, I, I got a hat too in the mail from a dirty kid. It just says, actually, wait, I'm just going to show you. One sec. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 already, I already know one where this is going <laughs> he's, he's gonna walk across this house there we go <laughs> beautiful atf is gay um, yeah for the rest um so, there you go so uh has there been any other communication with glock since then or was that kind of one and done no actually every other year usually in the summer we have had a couple period you know, once where it was three years in between we get a new cease and desist letter that really? tells us, hey, you need to put this verbiage on your website, and it needs to be this, you know, cut and paste. This has got to be on there. Then, okay, cool. We submit, send them links. Hey, look, it's on the website. We go, cool, thanks. Two years later, hey, your website needs to have this on there. It's like, yeah, we already changed it. Oh, no. You want it to be this now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You need okay, to yeah. the fonts. Yeah. Uh, we have a Probably, license with Verdana. Yeah. Copy paste, copy paste, copy paste. Cool <laughs> email links, awesome. Then another couple of years go by. Hey, so that's it. And you're like, Glock legal department again. Yeah, <laughs> how you doing, Mike? Yeah, <laughs> I, I wonder if they send out C and Ds for other horse cum sellers. Like, <laughs> <I>, hey, <laughs> I don't know, but then you you do not supply horse cum. <laughs> yeah. So they uh, they then you know now we have to put stickers on uh, if we use the Glock box to send the gun back, which we don't. We use our soft cases, but we have to put a sticker on it that says it's not an endorsed product of Glock. Damn. So it's it's just been warm and fuzzy and cuddles from from them the whole time. Yeah. Katrina, yeah, they... Katrina, what are you doing? <laughs> or, or is it Katarina? I don't know. She the Glock lady. Oh yeah. It did, yeah. So anyway, it just. It's never been exactly a warm, yeah, fuzzy kind of conversation point. Uh, I, I don't think it, I've ever talked to anybody really at Glock. I think I've only talked to attorneys. Uh, <laughs> Damn! Holy shit! That's yeah. that's, that's, a, that's, that's a crazy thing. Cause, I mean, they you know like arguably the most popular handgun out there, probably internationally, easily. Yeah. Although and, the, yeah. the Sig is kind of edging them out right now, to be honest with it, you. It's it's coming up. I mean, uh, on on your side of things, do you still you must still see more Glocks and Sigs, right? Ooh, oh, really? 
really? about even, and we're just bringing on the 365s right now. So just oh, 320 to Glock and the 43 Slimline series, it's about the same. And oh, once we have 65, I think it's going to bump them down to where we do more SIGs than we do Glocks. Wow. Okay, that's that's my Glock fanboy bias getting in the way. Yeah, I mean, I carry Glocks. I do have SIGs as well, and they're super cool. But yeah. I think I've just shot a Glock for so many years. Uh, I grew up shooting Glocks yeah. that I just feel much – I like the grip angle. I'm the weirdo that likes it, which I think the majority of people actually do. Um, it's a smaller group that people that want that, that hump cut off. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just – I prefer it. Yeah, yeah. Me um, too. Do you uh do you still have that original Glock you mentioned having since you were like ten? No, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it was my dad. You know, it was my dad's gun, and in California, everything was drones. So it's like to a specific name, to a specific person. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, so no, my my dad still has it though to this day. Oh, okay, cool, nice. That's good. Yeah. What, was it uh was it like a nineteen or what, what was it? Gen two nineteen. Gen two, damn. Yeah, one of the brand new Gen Twos at the time too, and um, but one really cool thing, um, my dad passed on to me when he retired from the police department. His Glock twenty one compensated from the factory, and he had the older mags that were you know said government use only. You know, <laughs> government. Um, so I took that gun and I was sitting there for God I don't know probably three months and I was just like, I have to add me to it. So the very first bone saw that we ever did was my dad's gun. Damn. That's awesome. I'd be sitting there shaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bo- bone saw is what I carry. I, I love it. I love it. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> A man of culture. Yes. They, I, genuinely, like, I'm not saying this, like, like this is our, our first time talking. Um, we have no professional relationship other than you seem pretty cool. And we're all friends <laughs> now. Uh, genuinely... And I, BR knows, like, I really, really love building Glocks. I love Glocks. This is the nicest You, you have, ever. like, a toy box of Glocks. It's ridiculous. I, I like them. I like them. It's, you no, know, I, it's... I like them, too. I've got, I've got two, and I've been in yeah. the country a lot longer than you. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I really like building things, and this was just perfect. There, there is no reason for me to say this. Uh, I love it. The, the oh, bone saw is just, like, perfect. Well, thank you. All right. I mean, I mean, I have to ask, what does a what does a co-founder of Agency Arms carry for your uh, your go-to daily carry? Uh, I carry forty-eight. Oh, so, I like that. Yeah, it was a multi-cam Alpine, and then my holster and my gut said differently. So it, <laughs> it's uh, it's worn quite a bit. I carry it every day. I've got a ported barrel because this is before we had barrels for it, so I just put a fitted barstow in there. Yeah. Um, our hand anodized, flame anodized titanium trigger. And then, uh, of course, I put an A in the grip, which we don't offer, but small perks, you know. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, small perks. But, yeah, uh, yeah I love this gun. And um, I don't shoot it a terrible amount because it's my carry gun. But, um, yeah. you know, I do all my quals with it because I'm a, ret- a medically retired police officer. So I still have to qual once a year to maintain my credentials. Mm. Uh, and I didn't, um, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, oh, same. yeah. So once we retire, as long as it's not medical for psych or um, specific certain medical type things, like if you had a PCP exposure, because that can, basically sits in your fat, and then if you absorb that fat and energy, you'll have another lapse of PCP. Mm. Yeah, bad stuff. Bad, bad stuff. 
Um, so if you have those types of things, they won't allow you to carry in retirement. You'll still get your medical retirement with pay and that stuff, but you just won't be able to carry because of the danger or hazard. Um, but I had a spinal injury that retired me. Um, and so that doesn't prohibit me. So I just have to call once a year. Yeah. Still, that, that's not, sorry. Do you, do you mind if I ask what happened or was it? Yeah, yeah I don't mind at all. I was doing aggressive step class. Yeah. And, no, I'm kidding. Um, no. So, <laughs> uh, Glendale, California, where I was a cop, uh, is the identity theft capital of the country. And no real rhyme or reason. And uh, our Galleria, our big mall, we have an outdoor mall called the Americana. And then the Galleria, it's huge. So we have our own little substation in there and cops that only work that area. And usually they're in plain clothes uh, so they can observe and, you know, watch people do silly things. And to make it clean for court, they usually call in uniformed cops, me, out on patrol, you know, black and white, to come up and make first contact with the suspects to detain them because you can't argue that I'm not a cop and in uniform. And uh, so I came up to make the stop for them. <clears throat> there was a couple that did like $18,000 in fraud in the course of like four hours. And so they've just got tons of bags from Gucci and Apple and whatever. Um, so I get out of the car and a, a reserve riding with me that day, a really good friend of mine named Ron, who sadly passed away, not on line of duty, he had cancer. Um, and so I'm like, hey, Ron, I'm going to go contact him because it's stuck in traffic. Because when you get around the gallery, it's just tons of traffic. So as I'm pulling up, though, <laughs> you know, criminals, there are some that are so smart and we'll probably never catch them. The ones we do, they're just basically job security. Because they're, they're just so silly sometimes. Um, when you see a cop pull up and you've done something wrong and you go, and then you dive behind a pillar with your phone and you do this and lean back, we call that a clue. I might want to. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's their suspect. So I hop out. I start walking towards him and he puts his phone in his pocket and he starts walking faster. So I start to jog to close the gap and then. Everything goes through the air, and he's just yabba-dabba-doing it away from me. So it's a full-blown foot pursuit. He had a girl with him, but she's not running, and my partner, I figured, was going to go talk to the girl. So I'm like, don't you move, and I keep running past her. And uh, <laughs> the detectives were all there, just you know, not within immediate or proximity. They were about you know, 100 yards away. And uh, so as I'm chasing this guy, uh, the, one of the detectives runs across the street, and they kind of run into each other in the intersection in the crosswalk, and they start to fight. Suspect falls to a knee and starts to pull a knife. Um, I'm in full sprint. And I got 220 pounds of fat ass going 100%, right? And so there was no stopping it. <laughs> so I'm just like, eh, okay. You know, with 220 pounds plus, you know, 20, 30 pounds of equipment, um, that was not going to be a pretty thing to try to stop full sprint on a dime. So I just leaned in and just tackled him as hard as I could. And sadly, he heard me coming, so he kind of moved. And so I took his hips to my neck instead of my shoulder. So I herniated C4, 5, 5, and 6. Uh, two discs, basically. C4, 5, 5, 6. Um, so I have a synthetic replacement to cut through right here. And uh, I have a synthetic disc in my neck. And then the other one was just at that point of you could cut it out, you could not. So the city fought me on replacing both of them. Um, but anyway, so I hit him, heard a big pop. I thought it was my shoulder. Um, then we're fighting, fighting, fighting. And uh, there was like six officers on scene. And literally less than a minute and we took him into custody and afterward i'm sitting there like i don't i don't feel 100 percent. something i don't think i think something's wrong <laughs> and, yeah can't just walk this one up yeah so i told my boss my sergeant uh at the time I'm like hey uh i think i'm okay but 
I don't feel right. Something something might be wrong. I don't know if it's just an adrenaline dump weirdness, but I don't know. I don't feel right. I don't feel okay. And uh, she's like, oh, whatever. So I go home. I can't sleep. I feel really just not a ton of pain at the time, just really uncomfortable. And then the next day I go to work. I start suiting up. And I go to grab my, my big gear bag to throw in the trunk of the, my Crown Vic. And I'm like, uh-uh, something's wrong. <laughs> and, yeah, and it was all downhill from there, so. Damn. And uh, that was, that was like, probably a few years before 2015? Like, kind of how long before uh, no, we started the company? So we started the company in 2015, you know, launched 2015. Our injury was um, July of 2016. Oh, oh, okay. So you started the company prior uh, to getting out? Yeah, so I would work at... Yeah, you, you mentioned you did it part-time. Yeah, so I was 312s at, at the department, so I was working Friday, Saturday, Sunday days at the time. And then Monday through Thursday, I was at agency. Mm. Uh, actually, I have a funny story, and it's past the statute of limitations, so I can't get in trouble because I don't work there anymore. But hey. <laughs> I was on the phone with a dealer one time um, because the guy would not stop blowing up my phone. He had questions about his order, and I'm like, because <sighs> I'm on duty. It was a Friday. And I'm like, Hey man, can we talk a little bit? No, it's really important. Just hop on the phone for a minute. Shit. I'm in the middle of a vehicle pursuit. I'm chasing a guy on the freeway. I'm like the fourth car in the pursuit. So I'm just like, answer the phone, put on speaker, and I'm in the visor. And (laughs) so I'm chatting with this guy going like 80 miles an hour on the freeway, right? But we're not like driving crazy. We're just driving fast and all in the same lane. And uh, about two minutes into the conversation, like, dude, I'm sorry to be rude, but can you turn the TV down or off? I'm like, I'm not watching TV, dude. He's like, well, what's all that noise? I'm like, I told you I'm a cop. I'm in a vehicle pursuit right now. That's why I was asking you if I could talk to you later. And he's like, oh, my God, call me later. I'm like, all right, bye. Click. <laughs> That's customer service right there. I am, uh, I'm a little bit busy. Yeah. Don't yeah. mind me. You, you just hear the distinct sounds of gunfire in the background. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get so acclimated to it because vehicle pursuits and stuff like that happens so often in L.A. that. You'll be just eating a burrito while driving. Just <laughs> going like, easy. Yeah, like, no big yeah. deal. Now, if it gets squirrely, of course, you put it down. But yeah. <laughs> I, I love this, and I think this just became a Mike Tells Us Cop Stories about LA podcast. <laughs> I got. I, I love it. I got a quite a few stories. Uh, in fact, whenever we see each other in person, I'll show you my U Haul pursuit, and it's one of the best videos. My, my fiance always laughs at me. She's like, Are you showing the U Haul video again? I'm like, Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. It's epic. I'm so curious. Oh, I'll show you when I see it. It's it, it's like the uh, yeah. it's like the veteran with the the contour or GoPro footage from Afghanistan. It's like I have a folder. Like, oh, dude, I I don't need to see that. Please, like, oh no, I I got some stuff to show you. Oh, I want to see. <laughs> like, um, no, you you'd be like, take well, me to your computer. <laughs> BR here with a quick word from our newest sponsor of the show that made our first video podcast possible great people over at Attorneys for Freedom. Attorneys for Freedom are a real criminal defense law firm offering attorneys on retainer for legal representation in self-defense cases and are not some insurance company or provider. This means that Attorneys for Freedom are able to cover scenarios that are often denied coverage by other programs. Self-defense scenarios such as while in gun-free zones or sensitive areas, while under the influence or on medication, scenarios where you knew your attacker, and while using any weapon in self-defense from a firearm to a household object or otherwise. Additionally, Attorneys Freedom will not drop you from coverage, nor will they 
ever ask you to pay them back. Even if you take a plea deal where you admit guilt to a criminal act, Attorneys for Freedom will not ask to recoup their fees. Attorneys for Freedom covers 100% of your attorney's fees in the event that you can reasonably argue that you are acting in self-defense, and now you're facing serious felony charges. The primary key to coverage is their ability to reasonably argue self-defense in court. Nathan and I have signed up already, and you can too, in no time at all. The National Self-Protection Plan is available with a one-time sign-up fee of $100 and just $35 per month after that. Family plans and annual rates are also available. Signing up via the link in the show notes or via the Seabonar Instagram bio link helps support the show with both your initial sign-up and every month you retain Attorneys for Freedom services. Get covered in all 50 states, support the show, and have peace of mind that should your worst day come, Attorneys for Freedom has your back. Thanks for listening, people. How's it going, lads and ladies? BR here with a quick word from the longest-running sponsor of the Art and War podcast, Advanced Warfighting Solutions. AWS have been making tough-as-hell gear for decades right here in the US in North Carolina. Nathan, myself, and thousands of others run that gear through the ringer and trust our lives to it, whether that's LARPing in the woods or dragging kit through war zones. AWS manufactures many great packs, pouches, plate carriers, and our personal favorite, the SMU Operator Belt a set-and-forget gun belt that crushes in build quality, capability, and excellent feedback from its many users. We are tough on our gear here at Art and War, and the SMU takes that treatment in its stride. Though already at a sweet price point, you can knock $10 more off your SMU belt with the code ARTANDWAR10 at awsin.com. The code and link to the AWS website can be found in the show description. Thanks for listening, now let's get back to the show. What is like the the weirdest experience you had as a cop in LA? Now I'm curious. Oh god, uh, yeah, it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird that, town. That, that is a um, it's a weird town. Some of them... I've been there once. I don't want to go back. <laughs> well, okay, that's kind of a difficult one because weird has a spectrum. Um, <laughs> what kind of weird do you want? There's a lot of kind of weird. Um, I'll tell you what. How about this one? It's a little morbid, but it just kind of shows like how weird things are. Um, it was a sad story, right? Grandpa, you know, lived with uh, his kids. Like, they had their whole family. He was in the guest house in the back. Him and his wife, and his wife passed away. Then he had stage four cancer. So when the family was gone, he, he ended up taking his life. Um, and just like, his, you know, you see the spectrum of things, right? Of really bad things. And you get what's called uh, compassion fatigue to where these things don't affect you. And also going to Iraq a couple times, um, seeing, you know, death is not exactly a new thing right and then when you're a cop you see tons of it like every saturday and sunday in the mornings you're going to grandpa or grandma didn't wake up you know so you see it a lot but anyway so um being desensitized to it you know just like whatever so i go i have to wait for the corner so i'm gonna be there for like three hours and i have to stay there and i can't move anything because corner wants to take the photos so i go back to the car i grab my chipotle and he is in lazy boy on the as you're looking in from the front door he's lazy boy on the right and his wife's lazy boys to the left. So I'm like, well, I have to stay here. So I sat in the other lazy boy. And I'm eating my burrito and just hanging out. And my boss rolls up to give me relief. He says, oh, you know, just check on me. And he walks up and I'm eating. And I'm like, hey, what's going on, Sarge? And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, eating, waiting for the corner. And he's like, really? I'm like, well, he doesn't mind. You know, and just, <laughs> you know, it just, it, it, you know, and no one's around. It's not like it was being desensitive to, you know, insensitive to the family, but just, that's the kind of weird stuff you end up on, man, where you're just sitting there. You know, even if I wasn't eating a burrito, I, I can't leave. I have to be yeah. there with the body the whole time. So uh, when you say weird, you have weird from stuff like that or weird to getting hit on by the mom of a juvenile that you just arrested for doing something bad in public that she shouldn't have been doing. And you're just like, 
are you really hitting on me in front of my training officer when I just arrested your daughter for a sexual act in public? Like, just, is it working? Yeah. You're like, I think the apple didn't fall very far from the street. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder why this ended up happening to your daughter. Literally, we arrested her daughter oh, for oral copulation in public. Nice. Um, yeah. And so we ha- we arrested them because they're both 14. Thank God they were the same age, right? Oh, God. Yeah, they're 14. Yeah, it becomes a very different problem if they're not. Yeah, and so we arrested them both. Uh, my T.O. called the boy's parents because he spoke Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Um, and I called the mom. And uh, yeah, so we have to give the mom a promise to appear. Take, you know, like It's like a ticket, but then that ticket is saying, here's a ticket thing, a promise to take your daughter to court. And while I'm sitting there writing, you know, I'm sitting in the lobby in a chair that's like, you know, only like two feet away from her chair. Dude, she's talking about how hard it is to be a single mother. And then reaches over, puts her hand on my knee, when she's like, it's just really <laughs> difficult. And I'm like, <laughs> and I, I was on training, right? So I'm like three months into this job and I'm looking at my TO like, what kind of screwed up test are you doing to me, dick? Like, you know, I thought this was a test. I thought this was staged. Nope. Nope. <laughs> you know. Like, so there this, was nothing in the manual or academy for this? No. So at first I'm just wiggling my knee like, can you just let go of me? I don't know what to do right now. And then I had to just like grab her hand and put it away, you know, like stop it. But so the, <laughs> the weird spectrum is a very, very wide spectrum. Oh. Yeah. That is, uh, oh man, that... That is something. Oh God. Okay. Repressed memory just came back. Um, oh God. When I, I'm so sorry. I, I'm going to tell this verbatim. And uh-huh. um, so, so when I joined the army, long time ago, uh, there there was a guy in uh, my God. Was it basic? I think it was just basic. Um, and he was a beat cop for a while. And he, he told us a story, and I, I think I just have to repeat it on this podcast and just get it out of my head where it's been living rent-free for like 12 years. Um, so he mentioned that like uh, in the department he was in, it was in like rural New Brunswick or something, that uh, th- there was always a, like the day that you are a real cop is when you find someone, you know, you, you find a car on Lover's Ledge somewhere, and you find two people fucking in it. <laughs> So I, I see Mike nodding, so I assume this is just like a cop thing in general. So, um, you know, like three months go by, four months go by, five months go by, and he, he hasn't found anything. So six months go by and he still hasn't found someone fucking in a car. So his partner feels bad and just takes him to the, like, we always get people here, you know, we're, we're just going to stake it out. We're going to wait till we see... We see some uh, the glint of some uh, taillights, and you're going to go get them. So they stake this place out, you know, all their lights off, parked kind of close to the tree line, and they finally get a vehicle. And, you know, so it's a go get him tiger moment. So he, you know, slips out the side of the car and advances, just being really careful, you know, not using his flashlight so he can take these people by surprise. Gets right up to the... Uh, the window, you know, it's it's a little steamy, it's a little dark, he can't quite see. Gets up, wraps on it with his flashlight, and clicks the uh, the flashlight on. And there are three people inside the car. <laughs> there is a, a young man in his 20s, sitting between two older men. <laughs> and uh, are you familiar with uh, the term ski-pulling? Because oh. you got a pull in each hand, and, yeah. you know, you're... you're yeah. Sp- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a young man sport. We, uh, it's a young, it's a young man. As, as cop, you uh, you see a whole lot, dude. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I have more colorful stories that are definitely not podcast uh, stories um, <laughs> that are very amusing but extremely <laughs> graphic. Uh, things that you walk in on, things that you see, things that you go on a call completely unrelated that you walk into and you wish you never did. Um, you know, there's you're like, I can clean my hands, but I can't clean my eyeballs. You know, <laughs> no amount of yeah. acid will burn the memories away. <laughs> no, it's like that scene in Ace Ventura where he's got the, you know, he's like crying in the shower afterwards. You're like, I didn't need to see that. You know, <laughs> it, uh, it, yeah, you, just, you see some stuff. You see some stuff. I'll leave it at that. It, yeah, I, yeah. I will be bring, if if we end up at a, a shot show after party. I will be like, I'll be like, hey, Mike. <laughs> so. Yeah, actually, I was going to say, like, you, you yeah. are here uh, here representing your company, so I won't ask you now, but I will remember this. This is going to live rent free. <laughs> I want to see the U-Haul video. It's a good one. I'll just say it's cinematic how it ends. It's awesome. <laughs> Some Michael Bay stuff. No, there there is a British term. Have you guys ever heard of the term dogging? Mm-mm. Dogging? Dogging. No. Uh, now I'm curious. It hasn't, it hasn't made it to Commonwealth Canada? So, uh, no. So apparently, I mean, they, apparently yeah. the activities that you were both describing are such a common affair in the UK that it has been termed dogging. It is a whole community where they pull off to the side of the road, flash lights at each other. If you see someone parked up at night uh, on the side of the road, it is a fair assumption that that's what's going on. Okay. <laughs> It, it, and it is so commonly joked about that, like, you can mention dogging to basically anyone above, like, middle school age, and they'll know what you mean in England. It is, it's strange. But we we can put that whole topic to bed. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I knew at some point we would go way off into the weeds. I'm surprised what we It do. always happens. Like, j- When's the last time we had a podcast that didn't just like it, crash and burn in twenty minutes? It, it and I happen. love that. I it love doesn't that. Happen. It wouldn't be the art and war if if we didn't just get <laughs> talk about ski pulling within you know an hour. <laughs> it's it's actually especially, I do think that is an art and war first. That, that one that one is. Um, it's especially funny, uh, Mike, because a, an employee of yours who's a listener is the one that <laughs> that was like. Hey, have you guys heard of this podcast? So, like, like I said before we started, you got to hold them accountable. <laughs> Monday, you're gonna come. Yeah. Oh, actually, it's uh, it's only Wednesday, so you can come in tomorrow and be like, "So, I went on that show that you listened to." <laughs> yeah, um, make him do push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. It's actually uh, we're taking over the shop. So, the only person that we've had that wasn't well, I shouldn't say that. Out of all the vets that we've ever had employed, we've had one sailor. Or, or sorry, now we've we've had three sailors. Um, but never really at the same time. And we've had a constant, steady stream of Marines. So we have four Marines, including me, and we have one sailor at the shop right now. And uh, the Jake is the one that referred me to you guys, um, is one of the Marines. So now he's he's a crayon eater like me, so he, he's all good. I'm gonna leave, I'll leave him be. He's forgiven. <laughs> all is forgiven. Yes. Uh, he, he's a good guy. He, yeah, much love guy. to Jake for putting us in contact. But, um, Seriously, back on the topics of Glock, yeah, <laughs> and and uh, and all of that. Um, when was the last time you heard someone use the phrase "putting lipstick on a pig"? Oh God, all the time. Really, <laughs> still to this day, all the time. Wow, I thought that was dead. Now that we're in the age of of uh, of Tupperware guns being the main, yeah, uh, yeah, all the time. We still hear the 
what you guys do is BS. Just spend the ammo, spend the money on the ammo and training. And it's like, <laughs> we're not saying you shouldn't. It's just genuinely, genuinely speaking. For instance, let's talk about racing a car. A guy, for instance, like when I was a cop, you know, not knowing how to drive professionally, right? Like, like a cop and you basically vehicle operations course, all that stuff. You don't know how to effectively drive and chase somebody and make up ground and all that kind of stuff and how to actually drive a vehicle aggressively. Um, so a 210 horsepower, way overweight Crown Vic is actually can be pretty effective if you know how to drive it. Conversely, if you don't know how to drive it, you aren't going to catch a damn thing. You could be in a sports car and not know how to drive it and not be able to get around the track. So, you know, if you look at the Glock as a base pistol or a SIG or a whatever, 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 right? There's always ways to make it shoot flatter, faster, give you better grip, and all these things that will mechanically make the pistol more accurate, speed up the cyclic rate, you know, all these things that can be altered that will, with good fundamentals from a good shooter that has done the training, has gone to the classes, be an even more effective shooter. Like we have guys that we sponsor that can literally out, you know, basically outpace the OEM Glock. And so when you lighten the slide, so it cycles faster and then do the trigger work where you have less pull distance. And Robert Haley talks about pull distance a lot. You can get more effectiveness out of that pistol. And when people say, oh, well, now you're trying, well, you're trying to be a machine gun, and we've heard it all, right? It's <laughs> like, no. However, when you talk ballistics, multiple rounds in rapid succession is more effective than single round, pause, single round. It's just it's physics, right? It all adds up. Absolutely. Um, so really what we do is not, especially the way we build guns, we don't build guns for competition. We build them as duty carry pistols or you know shotguns as well. Um, and so we don't, we don't build the gamey stuff. We build them all with a purpose and everything has value. And usually what people think I'm going to say is not what comes out of my mouth. The number one mod that I would always recommend framework first on the Glock. Glocks are too slippery. Even the gen five. Yes. Um, framework is the most important. And then people go, and then the trigger and I go, no, the next one I would say is if it's not optic equipped, optic equip it. Because that's where another huge one is. And they go, okay, now trigger. And I'm like, now it's totally a preference. Do you want a lighter slide with serrations or do you want the trigger? I'd say that's where then your priorities would be more personal. But my first two is framework first, optic second. I absolutely agree with that. The stippling makes a world of difference. And I normally deface everything that I own with a soldering <laughs> iron within within a week of owning it um i need to i need to get on that i mean i i'll, I'll do it for you next i see you if you want i, I mean yeah you, you weren't hanging out uh in appalachia long enough for us to to stop messing with my glock too much i mean last time or no yeah. three times ago now that i hung out with nathan uh he was like buy these parts okay and they were like uh like trigger connectors and things like that and uh we were hanging out at some some festival in texas and so I just hand him, I, I, you know, I, I brought my, uh, my gun on a plane, uh, TSA didn't catch it. No, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I, I did everything. Zap carried. Yeah, zap carried. Like, oh, it's my, it's my belt buckle. The, yeah. the catch rate is so low. No, um, I brought it all correctly. And, uh, so I, I pull out my, my gun and I hand it to Nathan. And just as we pull up to this festival, within like, what, two minutes, he'd ripped my Glock over. He's like replacing the pods i'm like oh my god but um yeah my uh 
I've shot this thing enough. I've had it like five years now. The I've still got the stock trigger in my Glock. Double check, make sure it's clear. I cleared it before the show because I knew I'd be doing this. But I mean, just the stock trigger. You shoot that thing. Enough. Very 2015 YouTube of you. I, yeah. <laughs> Guys, can you confirm clear for me? Can you? Can someone put a finger in there? Yeah, here we go. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Mike is uh, as checked clear, everyone. Just, uh, just you know. Um, but no, I mean, just shooting this thing, like the trigger is like pretty damn crisp. I'm, I'm looking at upgrading to, to one of yours in the in the near future. Uh, I, I literally have an agency that I'm sending you that I just Fuck keep yeah. forgetting. It was your Christmas <laughs> present. It was your birthday present, and now it's in a box full of full of. Like the box just keeps growing. I just keep yeah. forgetting. <laughs> so the best package we've ever received from a customer. Yeah. <laughs> so we we our customers are freaking awesome. I mean, just some of the shit they I swear to God. So we get this one box. This is back in twenty sixteen. Early twenty fifteen. It might have been late twenty fifteen, but very early years of, of agency. Um and we had kind of a smart ass customer, which we have many of now. So we cut open his box and I just hear Mike and I'm like, I'm thinking, what did they like, you know, put something stupid in there as in like, it's just the slide, but they asked for framework because that's happened, you know, <laughs> like just silly stuff. And I walk in, I'm like, the hell is that? And it looks like, like uh, wig hair, like, <sighs> like wig, curly wig hair. What? And it was not real. I'm going to put that out there now. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. But he said, I ran out, he put in the note, here's my gun, build specs, thanks so much, guys. And P.S., I ran out of packaging material, so I just used pubes. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. And so it was just like, freaking guy. So, of course, we, you know, when when we called him to confirm his build and tell him we got there, we're like, yeah, but hey, the crabs didn't need to be in there, dude. And he's like, oh, you're gross, you know. But um, we just have, we have really great customers, you know, it's just. Yeah, it's they make they make that, that's, it. That's the fun schizo energy that uh <laughs> that should come to the table more often, dude. Yeah, some it's like life's too too short to take too seriously. Like it, having some humor and yeah, it's so important. Like that's one thing about the shop is all I care about. Hey guys, as long as your work's getting done, have a laugh, have a good time, enjoy enjoy each other. Our culture is like my number one absolute most important thing. Other than of course we have to do our jobs to make money and keep everyone gainfully employed. You know, so mission accomplishment is like the military is number one, but triple affair is my absolute near touching number two. And uh, our culture is, is awesome. And so just hearing these guys go back and forth and then sometimes the customers are ribbing them pretty hard. Numbers like this. I, I, I was funny. I was talking to my, my sales director the other day. I'm like, I just love this place. And it's just hearing everybody <laughs> yeah. going about. It's just, I absolutely love this place. That A good work culture is so important. Yeah. yeah. It's so important. That's that's something I was uh I was talking to someone else about um kind of working in the gun gear industry is like you know it's it's not necessarily the the fastest track to getting rich you know but oh no <laughs> hell no hell no everyone's shaking their head <laughs> but you know when when you're immersed in this culture and you're just dealing with you know not not that you want to be in an echo chamber but just a lot of like-minded people from all over the place all sorts of different walks of life but who have this commonality and generally like a really good sense of humor for whatever reason it's like an absolute essential part of being a good-natured um caring person in this industry is to to have a laugh because yeah it's it's pretty serious stuff we're talking about about weapons we're talking about you know life preserving gear and life and death is kind of you know a part of the trade but mm -hmm. there, there has to be that that jovial lighthearted nature when you're dealing with that kind of concept day in day out 
It's, it's awesome yeah. when companies maintain that. Yeah, and I you know, I have absolutely, of course, zero involvement and zero knowledge of the pranks ahead of time. <laughs> I never know about them, right? I just, I, I don't see anything. I'm like that, that the monkeys, right? No see, no talk, no hearing, or whatever. Um, but oh my god, some of the freaking <laughs> the pranks these guys pull on each other it is just. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no. I'm, I'm so curious. Is there any you can talk about on air? Um, one of my <laughs> guys, off air. That's okay too. One of my guys has a, a sticker making machine, and he made a <laughs> he made a sticker of stick figures, and it's funny that you bring it up earlier because uh, it was it, it was three stick figures. And one stick figure is holding on to two other sticks, and it says, uh, Above it, I take two dicks. And uh, they put it on. I think the phrases keep falling. And they put it on one of our guys' trucks, and it, it, took, it, it took him four or five days to realize it. Um, yeah, it was, it was funny. And then. You know, they've been going back and forth getting each other. They put – he has a mustache, this one guy. And so they had a whole bunch of, like, Burt Reynolds photos on his door when he came back from vacation. And, and Hell, yeah. Hey, uh, that's, that's a compliment. I'd be like, thank you, dude. Yeah. Well, like, I'm leaving Burt, this all up. It was the half-naked <laughs> Burt Reynolds photos, you know, with him. Oh, with, all, all the better. Oh, dude. Yeah, but it's just <laughs> – it was funny. Yeah, so just seeing the stuff going back and forth. And, and the fact that no one gets offended, everyone has a good time is what's, you know – the culture it's key so it's a good place yeah yeah i love that um no, me too i was going to ask if there were workplace nerf guns but oh actually so our local dealer stockpile defense last year started now it's a yearly thing challenged us to a nerf battle <laughs> really so there's a place in town here called uh oh shoot what's it called nerf nerf wars i think and um, so it's funny. They said, yeah, we're just going to – and we were brand new here at the time. We were only here for a couple months. It was in November last year. And speaking of which, I need to go buy a new Nerf gun. Um, <laughs> no, dude, these guys take it seriously. So I'll get to it in a second. But uh, we challenge you guys to a Nerf battle. And uh, this, like, they have an arena. It's for kids, obviously. But <laughs> we're going to invite just a couple of our you know, top customers. And it'll be the agency crew and the stockpile crew. Dude. <laughs> so at the time – we only had like 15 employees at the time. So we had 32 employees. Then when we moved, we only came here with 11. So we had to rebuild. It was, a, it was, it was clawing uphill. It was really difficult, but my guys are just incredible. And the people we've hired are incredible. So thank God we're back to a, a good place now. We're at 24. Um, so we still have ways to go, but we're, we're good now. Um, but so we didn't have that many people, right? And so then Stockpile, they have you know less employees than we do. And so they brought their whole crew. And the few customers turned into there was a hundred and fifty of us there. Oh my god! These guys showed up. Holy crap! These freaking guys showed up with modified Nerf guns where they were putting like DeWalt and Milwaukee drill batteries on them. They could shoot faster. <laughs> what? A couple guys had EOTechs on them. They were of putting course. real like cloud defensive lights on them. They were seracoding <laughs> some of these guns. Like, not even the rattle can. They seracoded them and put sling attachments. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, we showed up to use the freaking freebie gun. So my whole crew is like, 
you know, cocking the gun, putting the dart in it, and having the one shots. And these guys are like, oh no. Yeah. And then some guys showed up with swords and shields and stuff. And and then my yeah. fiance, her name is Danya. Um, and <laughs> now halfway through the night, the stockpile guys, it just ended up never being like stockpile versus agency. It started that way and then it ended that way. But in the middle, it was just people just shooting each other, having a good time. And, um, and uh, they decided to change her uh, nickname to Agency Mama. So they were like, protect Agency Mama. And they're diving in front of Nerf darts to protect her. And she was having the biggest, greatest time. She's like, maybe I need to change my IG handle. And I'm like, oh, babe. Agency Mama. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. Didn't, I love she didn't change it, but it was just, it was super funny. But that's kind of stuck. So I told her she needs to get her Agency Mama face on because Nerf Wars Part 2 <laughs> is coming up soon. Yeah, you guys gotta you guys gotta trick out your uh, your nerf guns. I mean, agency can't be coming in basic stuff. Thing? Yeah, like if 150 people showed up, I'm going to drive down there. Dude, do it, do it. Like I I will put an IR device and bring my nods <laughs> and cut cut the power onto a nerf gun. I will join team agency. Yeah. I'll be like cause some crimes. <laughs> <laughs> that that's incredible. Yeah, so we we've had. Uh, We've had a pretty good time, um, and, and yeah, again, we've just been very blessed. This this industry, it's a very difficult industry, but it's filled with a lot of really yeah. good people. Some not so good people too, but for the most part, really yeah. good people. And um, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love what I do. Oh, yeah. I agree, yeah. and I I like to think that somehow you know I, I hear a lot of negative, but every time we've taken a chance on people we've been happy like I, I haven't met very many bad people in this industry they exist but, it, but it's so few and far between just just the few that let yeah. ego compromise kind of the the big idea of, of furthering this culture and, and industry like yeah don't, don't want to go down that rabbit hole of conversation but just it, it's so few and few and far between because most people get it and they're here for that and they're here yeah. for advancing that yeah, the only thing that I would ever criticize that is a, a more of a larger issue, and it's not like a oh my god issue, is um, we're kind of cannibalistic as a community. You know, sure. yeah. if I like to hold my gun and shoot it with my pinky, and it works, but you know he likes to shoot it sideways with one hand, you know, and then we have to hate each other and go on the internet and scrap about it and tell each other we're both boneheads. Um, that doesn't help anybody, right? And it doesn't make it a welcoming community because our community is under attack. So like, that's why we yes. support the second amendment foundation and uh, cause they fight for our actual rights and that without our yes, right, uh, I don't have a business and I kind of like those rights. Um, so like the gun store commando kind of uh, mentality. I wish as a community, we could kind of ditch the ego and lose that because if we were a little bit more open and inviting and, and approachable, you know, there are a lot of guys out there, uh, like a very good friend of mine, he doesn't really want to go to classes because he's like, well, I'm not a good shooter. I don't want to go and get embarrassed myself. And people... That's the point of going to classes. Exactly. But they're just, they're worried because they went to a class and uh, not, I'm not going to throw, you know, any kind of uh, uh, company names or anything into it. But he went to a class of course. and he was having issues because he was trying to go fast and because his friends were going faster than him, but they had gone through classes before. And it was one of his first classes. And the instructor started making fun of him in front of all of his friends about how he's screwing up. And it totally turned him off, and he's never taken a class again. You know, it was like, if we could just ditch that machismo, arrogance, alpha, not necessarily alpha male, but that 
trying to establish dominance over each other and that gun store commando mentality, if we'd lost that as a community, our community would probably be five times as large in five years. You know, it's just, we're not very, we're not very welcoming. We're not very um, approachable as an industry. And that's the only thing that I really wish that we all as a community could be better at. Yeah. And I absolutely agree. It's one of those weird things. Cause like so many people have their guard up because of just the nature of, you know, constant, the rights constantly being under attack and kind of that, that defensive attitude. But it's when, I mean, it's like in very rare instances, it does need to be turned, turned against like bad influences who are kind of like, you know, a poison for the community. But again, so few and far between it's, it's much more like we need to, we need to look to, you know, the new blood, like the, the people coming in yeah. who can help this, um, go beyond kind of the legacy people whose, you know, whose parents taught you to shoot and, and kind of instilled those values in you. Because if it's just legacy, like that stuff will die out. You need to be going out and expanding it. And I, I think we've made a lot of ground in the last few years in terms of 2020, a lot of, a lot of people going out, buying guns for the first time, realizing the importance of, uh, you know, being in charge of their, their rights and their safety. But it's it's making sure that that doesn't end up being just a, a gun in a safe for their worst day and they otherwise forget about it and more that they actually feel they can come into this community and, and really progress in, you know, whatever space uh, takes their interest, whether it's safety, um, kind of independence, uh, sport shooting and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. I absolutely agree. I think one of the worst things you can possibly do is, and it kind of goes two ways. It's, you know, you, you hand someone who's never fired a gun before, you know, a three inch slug, uh, put it into a 12 gauge, you call them a pussy, and then they. Uh, or on the other hand, exactly what he was talking about, where he goes to a class and you have an adult man talking to another adult about how they suck and they should be better and making fun of them in front of a bunch of other adults. Mm-hmm. And. I think that's one of the worst things you can do. It's like, hey, we are here voluntarily of our own time. Um, we are all trying to learn. We're all trying to do, you know, we're all trying to get better. And here I am making fun of you instead of teaching you how to become better yep. or, you know, supporting you. It's like, okay, you, you did a gr- good group, could have been faster. And uh, here's how you do it. Or, you know, yeah, that's- it's that easy. Like I, yeah. I had the same thing with my pistol shooting. Like I was, I was, and I've talked about this ad nauseum, but you know, I was, I felt pretty solid on my rifle shooting, but my pistol being, being a Brit, not great. And you go out and shoot with friends, you know, here and there and kind of not trying to really go for performance. You're just kind of, you know, friendly competition. You're like, ah, oh, man, I suck. And, and instead of getting that kind of feedback where it's like, Hey man, if you just did this, like this grip, like, uh, me and Nathan had like recently uh, he helped me correct quite a few little things that really helped me step up my, my handgun shooting before then it was just like Thank you. oh man you were you were I, I, you, you know, what I, know, know. I, know yeah. I know but um you know back then I was like oh BR like wow you suck at pistol shooting and it's like okay well fuck it I guess I just suck at pistol shooting <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's and it go, goes back it even goes into you know things outside of the gun world being like you, you can take it all the, all the way back to, you know, kids learning in school. Hey, he's good at English, but he's not good at math. It's like as soon as you start saying you're not good at this, oh, I just you suck. suck. Yeah. You know, people believe it, you know, and that never really goes away. Um, I, I absolutely agree with Mike. We need to be more welcoming as a community and we have to lift people up and make sure that it's a positive environment for them to learn or they're just not going to want to. Yeah. You know, like it's funny because um, 
people just think that, well, it's because we're, you know, hard people and hard blah, 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 blah. It's like, look, man, yeah. no one's going to say you're not going to be. false machismo. Yeah, no one's going to say you're less of a man if you can be kind to people and just go, hey, oh, you like, you want to go learn to shoot? Cool. Let's take you out and teach you how to shoot. I'm not going to hand you a freaking, you know, uh, super crazy shotgun shell, overcharged slug, whatever to throw you on your butt. Like that doesn't doesn't do anything yeah. except for scare people away. Like yeah, it's just a dick move. Yeah, it's just silly and, and it's not funny. It's really not, you know. No. Um, whereas if we were just, and not saying like diversity and all that silly stuff that's crazy in the liberal world right now. I'm talking to like just genuinely just being. You know, I, I don't push my faith on people or anything, but good Christian. Just being open to people saying, hey, you want to learn? Yeah. I will help you. To, you know, I'm not an instructor, but I'll teach you what I can. I can guide you to places where you can learn a lot more. And if you want to carry a Ruger, cool. You're carrying a gun. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Train with it. Shoot with it. Learn how to take care of it. Bitchin'. It doesn't have to be a Glock. doesn't have to be an agency. doesn't have to be whatever. I'm just, I'm happy that people are putting money into this community. People are uh, actively participating. People are bettering themselves, which I think is incredibly important in all walks of life. And from being just uh, a good person to being a, you know, the best professional you can be at whatever it is that you do for a living. You know, I think that self-improvement is important and just all of it goes in a big round circle of what you put in there, you know, you know, in the world is what you're going to get back out of it and being so standoffish because you think whatever, it's not going to really help you in the long run at all. Yeah. TLDR, don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, I, I would imagine that you'd have, like, I I remember kind of the golden days of, like, GunTube and Gunstagram and all that stuff back in, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, even, even you know, later than that. And now it, it's hard. I, I can't even imagine trying to market as a company that makes professional end-user products. I hear horror stories from my friends that work in the industry. How how do you do it? Uh, it's tough. Um, we can't use Google. We can't use – well, I mean, I don't want to say we can't use Facebook or Instagram because obviously you can. You just can't pay to promote. So you're you're drinking through a stir straw, you know, like you're siphoned down to such a small amount. We have 30, 331,000 followers and yeah. to get 100,000 views on a video – you it's luck like i, I it's funny yeah. i filmed a video one day like when donya my fiance was teaching me like all right this is how you make reels i'm like the hell's a reel you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm still learning so don't worry yeah what she was trying to teach me like do you like the cool edits and you know transitions and i'm like so i sat there for about 45 minutes and i'm like screw this i'm just going to video this shotgun and i'm not going to try and do the yeah. six pistol transition gun food <laughs> Right, and that video yeah, ended up John getting like one hundred thirty thousand views on it. I'm like, huh, all right, and there was no effort. I totally, I was like pissed, right? But then other times, I'll take 30, 40 minutes making a super cool twenty second, you know, reel, and it gets like twenty thousand views. And you're just like, what did I, hmm. you know? So anyway, it's it's difficult yeah. because you can't pay to reach all of your followers. Whereas in the glory days before Instagram was sold to Facebook. When you posted, everyone saw it that follows you. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It was amazing. I miss the days of uh, when, it, when it was chronological. Yeah. You know, you post something, everyone sees it, mm -hmm. you know, five minutes ago. What, why are you hiding, honey? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Is that, that agency mama? That's agency mama. 
the world famous agency mama. Yes, and she's shy, so she's like, no, no, <laughs> <I'm there." laughs> I'll show you who is not shy. This is Sophie, our French bulldog. Hey. <laughs> who smells she's the perfect. quesadilla that was just brought in here, and she's like, oh, I want that. <laughs> like, hey, feel like sharing? Yeah, exactly. Agency puppas. Yeah. <laughs> they have their own Instagram. She started that in their own Instagram account. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, I digress. I went off topic for a second. No, 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 no yeah, totally so, fine. Uh, were you guys on Instagram like from the beginning of, of agency? Yeah, so the account started in 2014, uh, like I think August or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was great back then. Now it's it's tough, but back in the day it was great. Oh yeah, it, it's crazy how much um that tool has changed because like you you see so many is, is it still the same account that you started with or mm -hmm. did you oh nice yeah, that's, well, that's a rarity that's an antique right there that's very we lost our account yeah. for 10 months and what took forever to get the account back act of god to get the account back but um we had like three hundred thousand followers at the time and then we lost it for almost a year. Started a secondary account and finally got our account back. And it's been hard because we're throttled on that account big time. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. weird. And now they, they have those uh, AI tools to, to find pictures of guns. Yep. I found the way to get around it. And I, I don't know how long this is going to be the case. Say it quietly. Uh, okay. The way to get around it is to censor the trigger guard and trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm. or put something over it. I, I've noticed uh, we've had to remove a bunch of stuff. Like uh, I yeah, drew a picture out. and it was deleted. Yeah. yeah, of a AR with the scope switch on it. Yeah, and we had that for our uh, our episode with Flux and Antimatter, mm -hmm. and they they uh, they got that, and it was the the trigger guard. Every time I I have uh, done art or had a photo or anything of a gun with a hand over the trigger or a hand over the trigger guard or something over it, it hasn't been flagged. But I yeah, think that's it, what it looks it, for. It seems to identify just the action, seeing as that's going to be consistent on yeah on the silhouette of every single gun. So if you can figure out a way to cover that up or obscure it or whatever, it seems yeah. to counter that for the time being. But, I mean, it, it's so weird because I feel like Instagram is such a big tool for uh, for the industry at large. Like, it's, it is the town center for talking about the culture, spreading it, and kind of that intermingling between um, personalities, uh, like competition shooters, all the rest of it, and, and the industry at large. And it's like, if if they really, I mean, they've been coming down on us pretty decent the last couple of years, but like, yeah. if they if they just like full ban hammer and just wipe us out, which they could do with a flick of a switch, like Oh, the yeah. industry the industry would be all over the place like oh yeah use this platform no use this this is a free speech platform with mm -hmm. where you get you know 200 views and it's like yeah well yeah. fuck so we started our truth <laughs> account suck, thinking truth was gonna yeah. be amazing and it's 100 percent politics if you're not politics on there it does you nothing nothing yep. at all yeah and I, it, it sucks that you can be unpersoned that easily and you know your your business which for, for us like th this is part of our livelihoods or you know anyone i mean yeah, primarily you, you guys, 20 24 employees like yeah it, would you say instagram's kind of your primary means of, oh, of advertising oh, absolutely yeah. the um number one is instagram number two is our sponsorships 
you know, like Aaron Cowan, John Dufresne, Steve Fisher, um, uh, Paul Van Dunk, <clears throat> Aaron Brumley, all the guys that we sponsor, uh, yeah. you know, <clears throat> they're the Michael Jordans of this industry. So, uh, yeah. 2AM, yeah. Ronin Tactics. So, <clears throat> people always want to run what those guys run. So, that's a, I'd say, a yeah. very close second. But, um, yeah, if we lost Instagram, it'd be, it'd be crappy. Yeah, it's, yeah. No, very much so. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if, if this was a, you know, I I didn't think about this until just now. Mm. Um, I did notice, and you you know how like John Wick has Turan Tactical. Yeah. That that is, I did notice in the that new movie with Chris Hemsworth on Netflix. Extraction Part Two. Um, he. Yeah, yeah, he was using agency pistols the entire time. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. that, and I, I liked that. I liked that. I did. I didn't know if that was on purpose or not. Uh, I liked that. No. Uh, so a bunch of prop houses have purchased a bunch of guns from us, and yeah. I was as surprised as you are when you saw it because I'm like, hey, those are our guns. <laughs> I had no idea. That's yeah. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, we we have a uh, we we did an episode which unfortunately got like. Uh, with, with our older uh, version of Zencaster, it corrupted the files. But uh, a guy who worked at one of those prop houses and kind of explained the machinations of how those things work. Oh, really? And uh, I went to visit him down at, at the prop house, and he just had this entire table full of Turan tactical pistols for some production. It was, it was neat. Well, it was neat seeing how a lot of those things work behind the scenes. If you're ever in California, um, the guy that runs the weapons division for ISS, they're the largest prop company. In the yes, country. it was ISS. So yeah. if you ever want to, I can set you up with Carl, and he can probably do that again for you guys. Hell yeah. Oh, that that would be much appreciated. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. He's a great guy, really good friend. Known him for – so when I was a cop, um, yeah. I was asking my dad, like, hey, where should I get my duty gun from? Because my department didn't issue guns. We had to buy our own. Hmm. What? Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> what? You get a pistol for the academy, and then you can use it up to one year for your probationary period. But by the end of probationary you have to have your own pistol. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, you have, Can you? Um, you have to buy, I have questions about that that we'll get into after. <laughs> you have to buy your own. You have to buy your own armor. You basically the only thing they issue to you is your audio recorder at the time, or now it's video. Um, your radio, your taser. Yeah, that's it. You have to buy your armor, your uniforms. All that stuff. Holy shit! Yeah. But anyway. So how far can you deviate from a standard norm with this? Well, every department's different. My department. Um, yeah. There's a list of guns that you're allowed to use. Um, your belt has to be set up in a specific way, um, which it wasn't that way when I first started. Um, so, there, you know, it, it all, every department's different. Some departments are super strict. Other departments are not. It just depends. Yeah. but um, Because, like, I, I can imagine showing up there with, like, a gold tiger-striped Desert Eagle. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, they have a – you can only have these guns with these finishes. You know, so it's, it's pretty strict. Okay, that that's unfortunate because – <laughs> that there could have been an opportunity for them to be cool, and they decided not to. Yeah, Mike, you had the opportunity to do the funniest thing of all time. <laughs> well, they did authorize be the beat cop that carries a single action army okay. with a chrome finish. Yeah. Oh God, talk about getting killed in the streets. <laughs> like you, you see that cop roll up, you know he means business. Like, He's got like a Clint Eastwood poncho. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> but how I met Carl was um. To keep their permits in California, they have to do law enforcement sales. Mm. Yeah. So my dad told me about the prop company, and they basically just – they only do it for cops because they have to. And so he literally – they will just pass on cost. So I'm like, oh, you know, they don't do it all the time. 
but they have to do a certain amount of sales. So literally I bought my first duty gun from them at cost. And uh, that's when I met Carl and we became friends. And we've been friends ever since. The guy's a super cool dude. And then uh, the owner at the time, he recently sold the business. His name was Greg. Also another really, really awesome, great guy. Um, and then we just became friends. And then I started a company and said, like, hey, let's support them and buy a couple guns to put into the, the rotation. And so our guns have made it into like, you know, TV shows we didn't know about. We were in that movie, Ava, A-V-A. Um, the female, she was using our gun um, for a part of it. And we're like, oh, hey. You know, so everyone's wanting to get these <laughs> customers are sending us stuff. Or like Black Adams, the bad guy, his gold pistol was an agency gun. And there's a part where the entire That's screen awesome. in the movie theater is just the gun. And we're like, oh. but <laughs> whoa. Yeah, but we have no clue any of this is happening until we see it in the movies or on TV. Huh. Yeah. That's really cool. Cause you, you never really think about that kind of thing and how, how it makes it, how things make it in. But yeah, at ISS, they, I, I went to the Georgia division and all those guys are super cool, but co companies will just sometimes sell them things like, uh, sorry, not sell, send them things. Like they'll have boxes of broken EOTechs or aim points or mm -hmm. whatever. And they, they'll find their way into movies because these are all gun guides and they know how to set things up. But a lot of the actual gun guns, like they, they choose it themselves. And because they're gun guys, they actually usually have taste. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, they put out all these things for the show and tell. And director producers walk by and they go, hmm, that'd be good for a lead role. Hmm, that'd be good for secondary role. Hmm, that'd be good for the love of interest. And they just, you know, whatever kind of tickles their fancies are walking around looking at stuff. Um, yeah. So we're just very lucky that they liked our stuff. We were talking about kind of like um, like advertising avenues and stuff. Does that has that kind of like been a seeing your stuff in in uh, shows and movies? Has that been like a boost to your business, or is it more just kind of like people who know are like, hey, look at this? Yeah. For us, I think it's very different for Taryn, but for us, um, it's just more of like only people that rec <laughs> some Joe Schmo non gun guy is going to go. It was a great movie. They're not going to know this gun was that. That gun was that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they kind of already need to know our product to recognize our product. Um, yeah, but we have had people say, "I want to clone that gun," but nothing crazy. It's been like you know, yeah, a few dozen yeah. people. It's hard. I, I think that your market and Terran's market are a little different in that regard. Mm -hmm. And we build our guns in two very different ways. You know, he's a yeah. world champion, grandmaster, incredible shooter that builds guns in that direction. And uh, we build guns in a, in a carry duty profession. Like we have guns issued to law enforcement and we have our, uh, some of our products like our AOS plate system um, issued and authorized by dozens and dozens of law enforcement agencies across the country. We have a military contract for one of our accessories, our mil spec sig trigger. Um, you know, so we, we just kind of build in a very different mantra. Not saying what he does is bad. It's not at all. It's just, yeah, of just two different, different styles. Yeah. Two different purposes. Yeah. And that, that's uh, kind of getting into what you were saying before, uh, a big pet peeve of mine that's totally unrelated to marketing, so I'm taking this in another direction again. People like to see a use case, and they think it's the use case for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of goes back into what you were saying about, um, like, oh, just put all that money into ammo and training, and eventually, you're right, you will outshoot that gun. Like, to, to make a Glock's trigger twice as good, it's as simple as polishing a connector, and that's something they don't do from the factory. You mm -hmm. know, you, you can't put you know, a, a Smith & Wesson SDV-9 into someone's hands 
and have them shoot that as well as you know a staccato. It just doesn't happen because of the the limitations of the hardware, or you know, a, a old Prius versus a a Ford Mustang or something like that. I hardware does matter past a certain point. Yeah, I mean, like for instance, like the Crown Vic, you can only drive a yeah. Crown Vic to what the Crown Vic can do. But if you beat yeah. the suspension, you'll be able to take turns much faster. You'll be able to keep the body roll to a minimum. You'll be able to maneuver that vehicle exceptionally better, right? Then yeah. change out the engine or supercharge the engine or whatever and have more power. Like You absolutely will have more ability with the right skill set to be able to do yeah. much better performance out of that vehicle. So it's, it's the same thing. Um, on just a, yeah. just a different context. Yes, and and this stuff is provable too. I mean, performance based shooting is a measurable skill. You oh, know, yeah. you, you can take a stock trigger, and you can uh, take something that's been tuned up, and you can you know shoot splits out of it all day with a timer, which is you know technology that exists and we can use, <laughs> and you can prove that someone with this with you know a consistent level of skill will shoot better with this thing. Well, so the the argument is is dead in my opinion. Well, Travis Haley put it in a really interesting context. He was talking about literally physical pull length and travel. So he was talking about when you take, for instance, like our trigger that removes most, not all, for safety, you can't take it all out, most of the pre-travel in a Glock. Well, now from touch of trigger to break to reset to break, comparison to here, pull it back, then you have that that wobble, and in some cases, when we build triggers, you can actually make this even shorter with the proper reset, the proper tuning of the connector and whatnot. You're actually your finger is traveling less, less movement, the less length of travel, the faster you can be. That's just physics. So, you know, when you put things in context, when people say, "Oh, we have trigger, there's no beating it," it's like, well, yes, yes, there is, and you can physically be faster because you can have to physically move less. You know, so there's just, I think a lot of people just are stuck in their ways, you know, or again, it's that machismo that I know everything and there's nothing you can tell me that I don't. Yeah. I, I, people need to humble themselves, especially people on the internet, but that'll never happen. No. But, uh, no. People also have to learn the internet is not a real place and uh, the, the people with the loudest opinions usually are full of shit. Can't yeah. get humbled if you don't shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even if you do shoot, you know, just if you speak in absolutes, people will listen to you less. Yeah, literally. It's, yeah. Silly people. Really. Yeah. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Only a Sith. So, kind of uh, following this move to up to Idaho, what's the how's the future of agency feeling? Like you guys have, you know, you've you've obviously been um, on top of handgun customization for a long time now. You guys have uh, like inched into shotgun upgrades. Is there anything else on the horizon that you'd like to inch towards? I I know we talked about this before the show. We're coming up to shot show. Is there anything you can kind of tease or inch towards? Well, hmm, how can I hint at it without owing the guys money? So when I used to do <laughs> consistent lives on Friday on Instagram, mm-hmm. the guy started putting a board up about how far into the live I would say something I'm not supposed to say. And then, <laughs> and so then I would owe them a hundred bucks if I screwed up. And, uh, because I'm the kind of guy that I get too excited. I love this stuff so much that I'm excited and I want to tell everybody about it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, dumb, dumb, 
stop doing that because it's not ready yet. And I'm like, but we're working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I understand we're supposed to wait. I get it, I get it. So there are things coming for SHOT Show that will be awesome. Um, When you introduce a product like the one we are planning to launch at SHOT, there are cookie cutter ways to do things which I don't really think are the best way to do things. Then there are, put some time, thought, and something cool that's different. Is it going to change it to where it's like, oh my God, it'll never be the same. No. But there are cool things to say, hey, this is unique about this, and this is an actual reason to bring this kind of product to market. And we have done that. So um, I'm pretty excited about it. And then uh, one thing I can tell you is... The theme of our party coming this year, oh. Red Dawn, because it's the 40th anniversary of Red Dawn. Hell yes! Oh yes, Wolverines. Wolverines. So uh, at our party, it'll be very Red Dawn themed. Oh man, mm-hmm. br. If we can make it, let's. Uh, I, gotta, dude, I, I gotta make it. I gotta, you make, gotta it. make it. Yeah. You gotta, you, remember, you gotta make it. You gotta let me know if you guys are gonna make it for sure because it's invite only. So we have private security that. If you're not on the list, they turn you right back around. So if you're coming, I got to get you on the list. All righty. Oh, well, th- th- thank you kindly. I, I really appreciate that. Um, I-, I feel like it would be very Red Dawn if we snuck in. Um, <laughs> it would be. It would be. You're getting trouble. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've got one more cheeky question on the on kind of like future things. Is the sure. yes. can you can you hint at any problems? Even in like a really general sense that are trying to be solved. I'm trying to think because <laughs> the, the main focal point of it would very much so at least lock in the platform. So that's where it gets difficult. Um, does that mean it's Glock or 1911, 2011 or whatever? Like, it would be very blatantly obvious if it was a shotgun or a pistol of this kind or that kind. So, no, I can't really elaborate. I can feel the the wrath of Pete, my VP of Project. <laughs> uh, hey, if that, he was that, here, that's good discipline right there. He'd be fully wound up waiting to smack me in the back of the head for saying <laughs> so, Don't uh, say it. <laughs> don't you do it. Um, yeah, but it'll be cool. It'll be worthwhile. And again, it's not just slapping my name on something just to do it. So there's purpose behind it. Hell yeah. All right. So, so there's some stuff to stay tuned to agency for. We'll, I, I, we'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> yes. And uh, I, again, no professional relationship. I trust my lives to your guns every day. So <laughs> I, I appreciate what you guys do. I, I've never had a malfunction out of this thing. It's fantastic. And VR will tell you, I shoot twice a week. Like, Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, it is it is a bitch to reach Nathan every single. I'm at the range. God. Well, I mean, g- good on you. I'm jealous, but <laughs> it it helps living in the middle of nowhere. So, oh, it, it dude, does. I I miss public land so much. Yeah, there, there's just a, a gravel pit that I I just go to and just take a bunch of target stands. It's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, out east, they don't believe in that kind of thing. Yeah, does not exist. Yeah, Idaho, we got mountains, so there's plenty of backdrops. Yeah. Ugh. There's a lot. We got mountains out here. Just everyone owns them. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a pretty fair amount of BLM land out here. Um, a lot of my yeah. guys have their favorite little spots they go to. We did a night shoot a couple yeah. weeks ago, and it's like this little bowl, so it's perfect. There's yeah, perfect berm. 
So it's pretty oh, easy to find spots out here. Yeah. Um, oh, I did want to ask about the uh, something you brought up a little bit earlier uh, before we before we start to wrap up, which was the uh, like kind of I don't know what the proper term it is. Not it's not tactical driving, but like um, <laughs> learning learning to maneuver a vehicle. Like, is that um, when you were taking courses for that? Was that like strictly kind of law enforcement classes, or were there any kind of mixed, um, you know, civilian and law enforcement like there is for shooting? Uh, there are civilian classes you can take. Um, I took okay. some in the military. Um, my last year in the Marine Corps, I had a little uh, different assignment, so I got to do some cool stuff. Mm. Uh, nothing, nothing like special forces or anything like that. I'm nothing. I'm not a high speed guy at all. Nothing cool in my my background like that. Um, and then in, I think you're cool. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. My mom says I'm cool too. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, the uh, the it's called EVOC, Evasive um, Vehicle Operators Course. And so mm. for the most part, it's funny. A lot of it's teaching you how to park, which is a really silly thing. When you're oh, like just like staging, kind no, of well, no, no, like this is, how it's just parallel par- this is how to parallel park your police car. Like no joke, a lot of that. And then then you get to the good stuff, which is you know you're going 40 miles an hour or 35, 35 or 40, and you have 20 yards and there's three lights, and you have to turn either go straight, turn into the right lane or the left lane. You have to like crank the wheels. There's fun stuff like that. Just yes, the reflexes training you to like you know pay attention um pursuit training um they didn't teach us to pit uh but a lot of the other agencies out there um teach how to pit like our highway patrol in california they teach how to pit uh, or j turns where you're driving backwards real fast and you spin the car around and keep going um a lot of really cool fun stuff like that um but the most real thing that's most useful is um well for some people the parking is really useful but uh, (laughs) most useful for chasing people is literally the pursuit training where you just learn how to position the vehicle into turns and how to handle a turn that that's honestly the biggest thing is just knowing how to handle the vehicle through a turn and approach a turn and pull out of the turn um and so that and it's totally it's totally different than off-roading so like if you take those principles you put off-road you're going to be upside down and if you put the off-road principles in the car, you're going to end up in someone's front yard or backyard <laughs> in the building. You know, it's super fun. It's really cool. Um, out in Vegas, actually, they have—I don't know if they still have it—but um, they have a company out there where you and your buddies can chase each other. And so, if someone's <laughs> driving a convertible, and the other one's driving a police car, and you chase each other around a track. Um, so they have like really cool stuff out there. And there, there are civilian courses that you can take. That's EVOC. Um, and so if you can find a course and you have the time, I'd suggest it because it's good to know, but also it's a ton of fun. Yeah, like it's something um, a friend of ours uh, a while back, Pat Watson of Uncensored Tactical, he, he brought up the fact that like simple things like that. I mean, it's just like just like having a gun on you every day. I mean, you, you're always it's, – it's America. We rely on you know roads to get everywhere. You're always going to be in a vehicle, and like you're probably going to have it – as much if not more than than a sidearm um or in equal measure and it's like this is something people should probably know like i mean yeah. for a, a get out of dodge situation or i mean yeah. you know a, a, as the economy gets a little bit rougher um you know we see carjacking videos and the, and the like popping up here and there a little bit more frequently it's like 
man, what would I do in that situation? I don't, you know, I don't have a fucking clue how to really use my vehicle. And or you know, yeah. if you're running from the cops. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, I, he, I he's got a brace in his rifle. I, Get him! I wasn't gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're gonna work for it today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You really want me? Let's see. Track down my my 20 year old Tacoma. <laughs> I'm gonna put this thing to work. But <laughs> no, it's it's something I've I've been fascinated by because it's like you know, like like medical, like like carrying a gun to protect your life and and others. It's, yeah. A vehicle use is something I think people should kind of have even a basic grasp on. Like uh, something, something I think Pat mentioned was something as simple as if you come to a stop, just having like a certain amount of space. So if for whatever reason, you know, think of your insert scenario here, you could push vehicles out of the way with enough momentum to get out of you know a situation. Like simple things like that is like. I, I started, I don't, I don't know shit about it and I'd love to learn, but, um, just when I come to a, a, a stop now, I'm like, Hmm, if I had to shove this little, this little Prius out of the way because of X, Y, or Z, how far back do I need to be? You know, yeah. honestly, I think the biggest, most important thing, which is applicable at any scenario, I'm at dinner, I'm at church, I'm driving, I'm you know, my finger in my nose, waiting for my coffee at the non-communist coffee shop. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, is there such a thing? Yeah. No. It's, it's purely situational awareness. So when you're there, having situational awareness to realize I need a gap, or if I change lanes, they could be at the front so no one's behind me, um, or realizing I'm boxed in because it's traffic, but I'm leaving a gap so that if I need to pin somebody, I could, or reposition the vehicle to give me a point of escape. Not necessarily, you know, to push something out of my way, but just they start coming from my front run. I have enough room to push the car this way or that way or just put the truck between me and them to get the hell out of there, right? Situational awareness, not being in condition red or the worst, being in black when, oh, crap, I didn't see it coming and it's crazy. You just want to be in that yellow, right? You know, you don't want to be white and not paying attention in la-la land. You can't be orange where you're like... You know, the whole freaking time. the sheepdog dangerous around every corner. Yeah. You just yeah. want to be cruising in yellow, paying attention, not being buried in your phone, and uh, keeping your eyes open. And keeping your ears open. There's a thing where not blasting your music is, you know, have it at a normal level to where you can still hear important things. You're going to hear someone ninjing up on, you know, behind you. No. But you would see them if you're paying attention. You know, I think it's uh, a lot of people just get lost in their day-to-day, which is easy to do. Deep in thought, family problems, money problems, especially now with this Bidenomics. Um, oh, I'm loving that. Yeah, where we all get lost in our thoughts. But situation awareness is number one. Yeah. yeah. Big, uh, big facts, people. Um, <laughs> one, one, one final thing I wanted to kind of touch on was something we uh, we very briefly mentioned was kind of <laughs> those Bidenomics and kind of how they're they're impacting the industry at the minute. It's um, it, it's it's kind of a weird time because uh, we had this as we were talking about earlier this big surge in kind of new gun owners and like there was a a time during the pandemic where people were like, wow, you know, business is better than ever. Like we can't keep anything on the shelves. Like you go into a like a pretty up to date, you know tactical whatever you want to call it uh gun store and all that's left on the walls is like you know 
little 22 junior rifles and you know a couple of a couple of bolt actions and and fud calibers and it's like oh what what happened to your like 20 ars and, and bullpups you have on the walls oh every single one's gone yeah, and now yeah. we're in now we're in a situation where uh it's kind of cooling down as people's uh wallets are getting a little bit tighter like um you yeah. mentioned it's kind of industry-wide it, I, I don't know um, what can really be done to keep things healthy. Like, do you have any kind of insight into kind of, yeah, well, everyone, everyone's pinching right now, but how can we keep our, our industry and culture healthy economically? That's a, it's tough, man. I mean, I'm not an economist and hell, I'm a Marine, yeah. so I'm not even that smart. <laughs> but, um, you know, what I can tell you is, our dealers are telling us they're hurting and it's not like we're just hurting trying to move your product. No, it's just across the board. Um, yeah. We have a couple of dealers that have been in business for 30 years. They're saying they've never seen a summer or a year like this. Um, and I think we have two things going against us. So the way the gun flow was pre 2020 is you're doing great. And then high school graduation time frame, college graduation, basically June hits and we're all just like, we're all going to die. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. sucks. And then you hit September, kids are back in school, and people then are not paying for vacations and graduation presents and taking their kids to college and setting them up in college, shipping cars or driving U-Hauls, right? So all that summertime goodness that we're, you know, historically always makes gun sales. Poo-poo. Mm. Um, you know, is the summer. Then traditionally, September, sometimes a bad year. October, things will pick back up and they're like, oh, thank God, it's all great again. We can actually eat more than just black beans and white rice. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, and so then you're, you're kind of cruising again and then you forget how about it and then you're like, oh my God, it's summer, we're all going to die and the cycle continues. Well, 2020 anomaly impacted yeah. and it didn't go like, hey, yuck, hey, it just went, oh my God. And yeah. it was just insane numbers that was not anything that anyone could keep up with along with supply issues and all that yeah and it was just captain insano right and he was showing no mercy up here it was great and i think too many people got complacent which you know we always say in iraq and in combat complacency kills you stop being complacent or you start being complacent it's going to kill you right same thing we got complacent with basically sales volume well yeah, so you're right. 2020 all right, it's got to slow down eventually. 2021, it's not slowing down. Hell yes, right? Then 2022, and it started to. And then 2023, then the summer hit, and it freaking nosedived. And what I think happened is twofold. The boneheads running this country are <laughs> just – inflation is horrific. Um, I mean, hell, look at the price of milk. Look at the price of eggs. Yeah. Look at the price of – you know. My yeah. bill at the supermarket buying the same damn stuff was 180 bucks, and this last weekend it was 310. You know, oh, yeah. major, and it's hitting people real hard in the wallet. But the second thing for this industry in particular, this is the first year where I think things have normalized to common trends. Great death, <laughs> oh, yeah. God, right? And so we are seeing that our trends are coming back right now. Not to the norms of 2017, 18, 19, but it's coming back, which is good. But I think it's, you know, our norm is not going to be ever here again. I think our 
norms industry-wide, not agency specifically, is going to be here. Um, and how do you float that? You know, tighten up your budget. Um, you know, as a company-wise, like tighten up your budget, cut back spending. Uh, be very selective with what you launch to make sure that you're putting the money where it needs to go. And then frugal, frugal, frugal. Yeah. And for a consumer, you know, that doesn't have, um, you know, as much disposable income, just choose wisely. Listen to the people that you think are well-informed, you know, on YouTube or in publications or whatever, um, and spend your money smart. You know, if you have buddies that have it, try it out. If you have a range that has that whiz-bang, go-go juice awesomeness, well then, you know, take it for a spin. I just think, you know, being wise with your, your purchases is going to be more critical for people than it was, you know, to, you know, when Trump was in office. Yeah, yeah. Less range toys, more tools. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and there's nothing wrong. So if you want that, you know, tiger stripe gold desert eagle, Hey man, you do you boo boo. Get what you want, yeah. but um, you know it's it's one of those things where so when I was you know kind of scraping by because I got divorced right when I became a cop. I was married through the Marine Corps, uh, got out, and uh, <laughs> everyone always says when you're a cop you got to have a divorce. I'm like yeah, I got mine done at month three of being a cop. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. so I, I knocked that out quick, mm, right? <laughs> uh, ticked. Yeah, check that box real early, but. Um, <laughs> You know, back then it was it was hard. It was really hard because we had just bought a house. I kept the house, and it was like, holy crap! I was on no joke, black beans, white rice. Like I was scraping by to make my mortgage because it was a brand new cop, and I hadn't even you know started getting through the um, the raise structure, right? Anyway, but back then, being real tight on funds, I wouldn't trick a gun out. I would just buy ammo, right? Because that's all I could do. It was either I go shoot or I don't shoot, and I got a really cool gun. So at yep. the time. I spent the money on ammo. Um, and so that's why I say is just, you know, wisely look at your, your purchases and spend money where it is. But granted, the other thing I was going to say that, I'm sorry, I almost lost my own train of thought, is I had one rifle that was my go-to rifle, right? And I had my, my pistol that was my go-to training pistol because I didn't want to beat up my duty pistol. And then I had my backup gun and my off-duty gun. And so I just had my kind of essentials. And once I had my essentials locked in, I had my my work rifle, my work shotgun, my work pistol, then my training pistol, and my backup, and my, my off-duty. Then was the point where I'm like, okay, now I can trick them out a little bit. Now I can add another gun that I really wanted. Yep. You know, and that's when you can start doing it. But if you have your essentials, which I'm not getting into weaponology about, you need to have a shotgun. You don't need a shotgun. Whatever you feel and is most informed or whoever you look up to, if you don't know or don't have these opinions yet, once you get your essentials in, then you can dabble. You know, I'd say the most important thing is get your essentials locked in, depending on also where you live, what they're like out in California. Everything is like, make the guns as small as possible because it's all urban. Now that I moved to Idaho, I'm like, sweet. I really like having all these short guns because now I have to shoot hundreds of yards. So now it's all like 18s and 16s and, um, you know, for five or six and 20 20s barrels for three weights. And, um, because you don't have to worry about urban environments, really. You know, God forbid things went crazy right yeah, yeah um but um you know so your essential pack mine has shifted so um that's what i'm saying once you get your essentials then have a ball get, you know trick it out paint it freaking pink polka dot you know whatever you want i don't care like just have fun with it enjoy it train with it but uh get your essentials first then you can have your fun hell yeah 
That's like, yeah, I, you said you weren't an economist, but I, I think for this industry, that was a pretty succinct uh, summary <laughs> yes. of everything going on. So I, I really appreciate that insight. Sure, I agree. Um, all right. Um, well, thank you so much, Mike. I think we're gonna wrap it up here. We're coming up to two hours, but uh, we do have Nathan. You got something? Uh, two things. First, uh, Mike, I'd I'd like to. We haven't done this in a little bit. I want some dad advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a dad yet. Um, but I can pass on advice that my dad gave me. Um, and it's real advice. So it's not the funny advice, but it's the genuine good. Advice. No, that's the best stuff. That's the best stuff. Either will work. <laughs> so my dad, my dad's a retired police chief and then he now works at a hospital. Um, and my dad was a dare cop. Do you guys know what the dare program is? Oh, dare, dare, like, dare like stay off drugs. The yeah. drugs one. Yeah. 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 I've got one of those shirts. It's one of my prized possessions. Yeah. So <laughs> my dad taught that for like literally almost 10 years. One thing he learned about it is he basically taught an entire generation of kids that then grew up and became the business owners or took over family businesses. And right. And so he had this whole generation of people like, we couldn't go anywhere because it was always officer parks, it's officer parks. We're like, shit, now we're going to be late to the movies. Right. But um, things that he taught me that have really, really done well for helping me with my life. And I don't want to say to be successful because that's such a uh, silly term nowadays and because it's so, there's such a range, right? I just say to, to have a good life, be a good person, really, is the most important thing, um, is treat everybody the same, man. So, you know, like when I was a cop, if it was the busboy, I treated him like he owned the place, you know? And I can give you an anecdotal story about something that came of that if you'd like. But treating everybody the same is always going to be good um, because you never know when you're going to need that person, if that person's going to help you, or what if down the road one day, the roles have changed in, in positions of power or of success, whatever you want to equate that to. And now that person is someone that could be the person that you're going to work for or you really need help from. And they remember that you treat them like crap. Right. So it's like I've had my dad really equated around the badge as power, you know, because we have the power to take people's freedom and, and take them to jail and all that stuff. And so he always said, never, ever think you're better than anyone else. You put your pants on one leg at a time and that will send out great ripples throughout your whole life if you can live by that i love that that is, that is that's come up on the show before and I, that's one of my favorite life lessons i think that's uh don't be a dick treat people don't well the dick. universal rule yes yeah mm-hmm. that, that is like one of, gun. <laughs> yeah that, that's actually like one of the things that i will and i, I think i've brought this up before i will stop mm. talking to people it's it's like the litmus test is do they treat people well when there's no consequences for treating them poorly? Yeah. And if, if they don't, then that's it. They, they had one chance. That, that's the only thing I'm really strict on, but I'm pretty strict on it. Well, dude, uh, the anecdotal story, it was this, uh, a bus boy. I would go eat lunch all the time yeah. with the cop and up giving this guy some advice. He was a, uh, you know, an immigrant that didn't make a lot of money and he had two sons and he was battling his ex-wife for the kids and she genuinely, she got into drugs post their divorce, got into drugs and wasn't exactly the best parent. So he was asking for advice. So one of our, my partners was a former divorce attorney, actually. So he's like, I can't give you legal advice, but I can tell you to ask these questions potentially. Right. So we helped him out and he was always nice to us. And that again, all the busboys, the waiters, the waitresses, the owner, everyone the same. Um, well, dude, like two years after I had met this guy, right. He, you know, good relationship, whatnot. Um, I pull a car over on a Sunday and we didn't, I didn't know because we rode one man car. So I was by myself. 
pull this car over. Someone's on the radio, so I can't put out that I'm on, on a traffic stop. So no one knows I'm on a traffic stop. And as I'm walking up to the car, I didn't know at the time, but the plate is what's called a cold plated stolen, meaning if it's an F-150 they and it's stolen, they'll go drive up and pull the plates off another F-150 and put them on because they aren't reported stolen. So you don't know it's a stolen car. So I got this car pulled over and walking up. Two guys jump out and it's a full-blown fight, right? No one knows where I'm at in the city. No one knows that I'm on a traffic stop and I'm fighting two dudes. So I'm on my back. They're dragging me in between the cars, my, my Crown Vic and the F-150, and they're trying to pull me to where people can't see me, and they're trying to beat my ass, right? Um, and I'm, in, I'm on my back. I'm in the worst position, and my mic is falling down. No idea where my mic is, and I'm in a full-blown fight. Well, this guy happened to play soccer every Sunday, and I was in the uh, – just by sheer chance, I was on his path home. So he's driving by, looks over, sees – his buddy, Officer Parks, getting his ass kicked, jumps out. He still had his uh, shin guards on, just runs up and starts kicking the living shit out of one of the dudes <laughs> that was on top of me. And that was the only reason I was able to get onto my knees, grab my radio, put out a call for help, and start fighting these guys and take them both into custody once the other cops got there. Um but literally, if that guy wouldn't, if I would have treated him like shit, he would have been like, sucks to be you, nerd, and just kept driving. Um, or, you know, just pulled up and started videotaping it on his phone and just seeing how bad it got. You know, so that's where it's like, that's a life or death one. But nevertheless, <laughs> you never know. That guy said yeah. that probably. That, that, that's a hell of a way to, to see that lesson proven. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. it, it's a, it, it can be life changing, you know, so. Treat everybody the same. Treat them all like they're yeah. the kings of the, the world. And put your damn grocery carts back. Hmm? Yes. Put, 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 put your, your grocery carts back in the corral. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What, what, a, what an anecdote to end on. But uh, thank you so much, Mike. Really appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. And and uh, hopefully we can drag ourselves to the uh, the agency Red Dawn Pie. <laughs> it would be awesome to have you guys there. And thank you very much for uh, allowing me to be on your show. Absolutely. Oh, man. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully, we can do it again. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys.